Abby. And I'm Allie. And it's about time for true crime. Hey. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing just lovely. Happy Tuesday to Happy Tuesday. Allie and I matched today. We wore... All black? All black. Did not plan it. When I had my coat on, I looked just like her because it matched the blazer she wore today. Yes. And it's getting warmer, but it's kind of gray, so it's... eh. I'm so excited. I was walking to my car this morning, Mm -hmm. and I didn't need a winter coat, Yes. which it's been a while since I've been able to do and say that. Yeah. And I was in such a good mood and I was just feeling it and I was listening to like some music and I went to Dunks because obviously and paid it forward. Yes. <gasps> I did too. Did you really? I did. Oh, cute. Aren't we cute? Didn't even know it. But I don't know. I, o- I try to do that at least once a week. I don't know. It's just a thing I do. I feel like when I can, I like to. I can't always, but then there are sometimes that I just am extra. So like today I went to Dunks as you do and <laughs> i saw my roommate right in front of me in line so i oh. paid for her coffee <laughs> and she texted me she goes why did you do how that? did you do that i just she was like literally right in front of me in so, front of you or behind you in front of me so right after she pulled up and i ordered i was like um can i pay for the person in front of me please? oh my god <laughs> that's hilarious but it was good. And I, I don't know. I try to do it where I can. But every now and then it's like, I'll have to check what it is before I commit to it. Because sometimes it'll be a van full of people and it's like $70. I'll be, to- dollars. I'll I'm be like, totally yeah, honest. I don't know about that. <laughs> I totally discriminate. <laughs> like, I will <laughs> not do it. If there's like six people in a car or something, I yeah. can't. If there's one or two. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. And if there's a dog, forget about it every single time. And I'll get that dog a puppet. And you will get a pup cup. That's just it. Thank you. But like if there's yeah a van or like a huge like car truck or something that's got i can see tons of people i just i i do not have 50 bucks burning yeah, in my I'm, pocket i'm happy to pay it forward if i can afford to pay it forward yeah so that's just that's just kind of my thing yeah but i oh we're so cute you guys should do that too i'm all for it it makes my day when somebody else pays for my coffee i'd say it literally costs nothing but it doesn't but like it's maybe five dollars yeah it costs 5.99 and the joy in your heart is free baby Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it lasts all day girlfriend oh it's so good but yeah that was i had the windows down it was yes. t- it was fucking freezing so i don't recommend that yet uh, but i'm nice. so excited i went skating this week again okay i roller skate i don't know if i've mentioned that on here probably because i'm not very good and <laughs> i get hurt a lot so i did i was out there though for like an hour before i tripped and remembered why i wear padding oh yeah (laughs) so when I started skating actually it was right before I graduated my master's degree and the first time I ever fell I got like this awful big scrape thing on my knee and I was so pissed but I still had like weeks to go before my graduation ceremony so I was like okay you're gonna look like an idiot but you're gonna wear the big fat chunky pads everywhere and like anytime because you're not gonna walk across a stage with a bright red gash on your knee from where you fell rollerblading you fucking adult (laughs) And (laughs) and then it's still scarred you know it happens to the best of us i didn't get any other scrapes though but i was so mad i was like damn it (laughs) one of my favorite things about you 
And there's many <laughs> favorite things. So to be very clear, there I've got many favorite things about Apple Dabbleson, but one of my very favorite things is your clumsiness. That's so bad. <laughs> and your ability to fall over nothing. Oh yeah. Um, like for example, uh, we've talked about this before, but Abby fell down like th- there was a one stair sort of <laughs> lip that probably wasn't more than a couple inches high. It yeah. really wasn't anything, but somehow she ended up getting her heel caught on so- whatever it was. Yeah, she was like standing, and then she wasn't like she was flat out like a pancake. <laughs> it was. And it was awful. It was fucking hysterical. I was like right down on the floor with her, but laughing at her. Yes. And she's just like high fived out, like fucking done for. Yeah. I face planted. I was coming downstairs and my heel got caught on like, you know, the little metal lip thing at the end of the stairway when they're trying to make traction or whatever. Mm-hmm. Got caught on that. And then I was just face down on the ground. And it was like our first few months of working together it hadn't been long yeah there were so not other everyone knew how yeah clumsy i don't know there were other people in the room someone was like you might want to try flats and i was like never and it wouldn't matter and i've shown that so at least there's that yeah no you i will say you are very well rounded because you will fall just as much in heels as you will in flats that's the thing when people are like you can walk in heels i'm like oh i can walk in anything but it's the exact same level of clumsiness correct and somehow i danced and that's self-awareness. Yeah. That's just, that's on self-awareness, baby. I could put that on my resume. I think you should. Well-rounded. Do like heels. Do like flats. We'll fall in both. You'll never see me in flats. That's one. Yeah, that's true. Not a single goddamn time. Nope. Um, my concern mostly lies with, what are they called? The heels that don't really have a heel. They're all attached. It's like a platform the almost. Wedge? Yeah, wedges. Yeah, a wedge. Those are my favorite. Are you kidding Those me? Those kill me. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the way that I step when I'm in something flat versus like the actual arch of a heel. I always end up like spraining or tearing an ankle or something in those because I always end up stepping on the outside of my foot. Yeah. Oh, those are to me. They're like easier to walk in. Oh, no. I could do. I could literally dance in point. And I could literally walk on like six inch stilettos better than I can walk on like a two inch platform. <laughs> so I've spent probably the better part of a decade in yeah. consistent heels. Right. Yeah, that sounds right. One thing I can't do, and I'm starting to wonder if I'll ever be able to, mm-hmm. is go downstairs confidently. Yeah. I'm even sneakers. I have to like look down and look at the next stair. Otherwise, I think my legs will forget how to do it. And in heels, (laughs) going downstairs is terrifying. Like if there's not a railing that I can't like death grip with almost two hands, I have to get down. I'm not doing it. It's true. I have often been your like escort down. Oh, I will like I'll like grab her elbow like a fucking like we look like like a a 1920s yes date absolutely no for real yeah maybe next time i'll just like put my little coat down over a puddle so you won't even have to step in it oh oh cute get my cute little car doors for me yeah oh i mean maybe it'll wash my coat maybe it needs it it does with all the coffee stains there's so many coffee stains in my life so many honestly i think that is the most like the main stain that i get places 
Oh, for sure. There isn't, and I'll be totally honest, I mentioned this to someone else already. Oh, no. <laughs> but I I said uh, that I loved it about you because you were wearing a lighter sweater. And yeah. every light sweater that Abby owns <laughs> inevitably has some kind of coffee stain on it. And you can tell how old the sweater is based on, like, how many and how old the stain is. Yeah. So if it's a new sweater that shit looks pristine but next time yeah watch out yeah <laughs> so i'm just like you can count them you can just see it it's just it's it's character baby it is character i am still looking for appropriate ways to remove a mocha coffee stain from the carpet dawn dish soap I've tried that. I've tried a spot remover. I think what I need to do is get like carpet shampoo, if I'm being yep. entirely honest. But I think I don't want to. I so will, much. but I don't want to. so much. I know. Yeah. So I will, but I don't want to. I hear you. I think I'm going to get the little green bissel thing, mm-hmm. which is, it was popular on TikTok in like 2020, but I like that it's tiny. And it's only like a hundred bucks and it does like spot cleaning really well. Okay. You so need that. Holy a bunch shit. of pet parents really like it. So that's going to well, be on my list. Right. I like it. But now that we've talked about all that good, good. Let's talk about all that bad, bad. Yeah. You want to hear the bad, bad? Of course I want to hear mm. the bad, bad. So for those of you who know, because you clicked on it, we're going to catch Allie up. Okay. Every time that we do a case like this, neither of us knows what's coming. So it's all authentic reactions and all that jazz. Yeah. I have no idea what the fuck you're going to tell me about. But today I'm going to tell you about Danny LaPlante. Danny LaPlante. Okay. Do you know much about him? I've never heard the name before. What? Should I? Uh, is this like a common case and I'm no, you missing shouldn't. the ball here? Okay. Nothing that crazy. Missing the ball? Missing the point? Dropping the ball? This is where I'm at. All right. Okay. You guys, can you do us a favor and just come up with a little chart of our sayings and what they actually mean? Because we don't know. We Yeah, we figure it out as we go, man. It's really funny every time I misspeak or say something a little weird and people are like, oh, is that a Midwest thing? And I'm like, no, I don't. I I can't talk. <laughs> I just can't speak. <laughs> I don't know how to communicate. <laughs> That's not a Midwest hole. That's well, just communicate me about this. All right. I will. I actually learned about this case because my friend Paige, who I love just so much, told me that their cousin's husband is Danny's brother. Okay. And then proceeded to tell me the most insane story I've ever heard. And also, super thanks to Paige for letting me tell this, but also having like a little bit of info on how the family is with it, because I was fascinated. Ooh. So, without further ado, Daniel LaPlante. Okay, now is he the victim or is he the offender in this case? Wouldn't you like to know, baby? Well, that is because I, I did ask. So. So. Technically? Technically. I have a little further ado. Okay. Is he a little bit of both? Uh-uh. I wasn't okay. sure how to go about telling you this story. It's honestly, it's horrid. It's insane. Um, but that being said, there's a lot to talk about in this case. And there's been a lot of rumors on it over the years just because of kind of the taglines and the way things are presented is very headline uh, friendly, if you will. And so I think yeah. that certain things have certainly been taken and blown up a little bit. Of course. That it's, being it's catchy and grabby and 
Yeah. It bleeds, it leads. Correct. It's yep. all of that good stuff. And then people were like, oh, and this would make a really great story by my book. Oh, okay. Yeah. So there's a lot going on here, but I'll try to do my best to only report things that I've heard for fact. Um, but I will note where I'm not sure. And I will say that out of all of the podcasts that I listen to, Boston Confidential's Beantown True Crime Podcast, episode Daniel LaPlante, 1986 to 1987, arguably the most evil criminal in New England history. That's the title? Yes. Can you say that one more time? I oh, just my gosh. Sure. Boston Confidential, Beantown's True Crime Podcast, Daniel LaPlante, 1986 to 1987, arguably the most evil criminal in New England history. And well, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay, so this is a New England case. Yes, so it's a New England case, and it okay. should also just be noted I here. I really should know this. That that podcast, why well, I wanted to take most of my information from there because the host actually interviews one of the authors of m- one of the many books of this case, but who actually has interviewed like way over 50 people on it has done a lot of fact checking has been around for the whole thing wow so he's got some pretty good i feel like he's got a pretty good grasp of the facts of the case Mm -hmm. but also it's been extremely helpful to listen to that one in particular to sort of differentiate what elements of this crime get taken out of proportion because not all of them do Mm -hmm. you know what i mean but there's a few that are kind of like, oh, it could have happened a few ways, but this is probably what happened. Interesting. But before we get into all of that, I do just want to throw in a cute little trigger warning for violence and rape and hurting children and stalking and pretty much anything. Oh, but just a heads up. So that's where we're going today. So the first section of this episode I've titled, There's a Murder Afoot, Winston. <laughs> <laughs> You guys don't see this because Allie and I read these, but as time has gone on and we've created our notes and like figured out what the best strategies are for us for these storytellings, I've come up with little subsection headings. Oh, no, for real. Me too. So that was one of them uh, because I wanted to take us to Townsend, Massachusetts. Okay. It's about five miles away from the border of New Hampshire and about 30 miles away from Boston. And I'm going to transport us back to the magical date of December 1st, 1987. Okay, we're there. Yes. Andrew Gustafson enters his home after work. He's feeling weird. Andrew was an attorney and he dabbled in some real estate business. And during his day, he actually had a really amazing day. Between the two jobs, he had completed some sort of deal that was like huge and exciting. Now, I've heard that it was a real estate deal. I've also heard it was like a breakthrough on a case for his Mm -hmm. law stuff. I'm not sure. But between his two professions, he had a bumping day and he wanted to celebrate. Okay. You earned it, Andrew. But Andrew had called his wife Priscilla all day long. I love that name. Priscilla was a nursery school teacher. She's so Mm -hmm. cute. They had been married for a while. And he was like, honey, Get a freaking babysitter for the kids. We're going out. We're having a good night. Like, we're, we're going to celebrate. Yes. And he didn't get a hold of her, which was weird, but, like, not that weird during the day. You mm-hmm. know, she's a nursery school teacher. She's at least busy until, like, two or three. Yeah, sure. And then parents and homework, and I'm assuming any of that stuff, mm-hmm. that might come up. So it was weird, but it wasn't, like, 
immediate giant red flags. That being said, a few started to raise later when he called again and then again and still got no answer. So he got home and he was a little weird, but he was still ready. He wanted to go out and have a good night. But when he got home, it was dark. Remember, it's December, but it's about 5 p.m. Yeah, which means it's like basically 2 a.m. night. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So he pulls up, but the house is dark, which isn't normal because... Obviously, he's married to Priscilla, who's a nursery school teacher. That's during the day. And they had a five-year-old and a seven-year-old. So oh, the yeah. house is like bustling. They should be. He should be hearing them from outside. Yeah. Walking up the steps. Yep. And one of my favorite and also kind of like heart-wrenching parts of hearing about this case is that in one of the podcasts that I listened to, I believe it was the True Crime All the Time podcast which was episode 203, Daniel LaPlante. But Mm -hmm. one of the podcasts that I listened to, they're all listed below, talked about what a ritual it is to come home to your family. And I was just sort of thinking about that. You know, as a kid, like, dad comes in, opens up the door, the kids say hi, mom kisses him on the cheek, they give each other a hug, they say, how's your day, honey? It was good, this happened. How was your day, sweetheart? It was good. The kids want to tell you about whatever their day was. They made some macaroni painting or something. And you have to tell them it looks really good, even though you're not really sure if that's like a chicken cutlet or supposed to look like a boob or something. (laughs) Um, Well, I was always drawing boobs, so. Yeah, I know you were. (laughs) (laughs) But. um, Chicken cutlet. Sorry, that just caught me off guard. But. It was a notable difference. And I just keep thinking about that difference in days, right? Like normally you come home and it's lovely and bright and everybody's doing stuff and excited. And then you come home to a dark night and a dark house and nothing when you open the door. Silence. Spooky. Ooh. Ugh. Awful. That silence has got to be loud. Fucking deafening, I bet. But... He walks in. Andrew walks into his house. And he starts feeling really off. He walks inside. He yells hello. Nobody is responding. And when he looks around, he goes upstairs to his bed. I assume he's trying to look around, but also probably settle in a little at the same time. Throw your bags down. Maybe get out of the hard pants. Um But when he gets to his room, he finds his wife, Priscilla, face down, shot in his bed. Oh, my God. With a pillow over her face. Oh. Andrew immediately calls the police. Does not do anything else. Does not look for his kids. Does not change. Touches nothing. Looks for nothing. Just calls 911. Freaks out. Of course. So we're going to put a little pin there. Oh, God damn it. That's where I'm leaving Andrew. Okay. Um, We'll leave him to deal with the authorities. I don't want to leave Andrew there. I want to be there for Andrew. (laughs) Well, we're going to get some context and we're going to come back to Andrew. We'll give him a big old hug at the end. Okay. But immediately, we got to leave him there to deal with the authorities. We got to get some context. Okay. So the Gustafson family lived in Townsend, Massachusetts. But you know who else lived in Townsend, Massachusetts? Who? Danny LaPlante. His full name is Daniel. I call him Danny because it sounds like that's what everybody else did. But also, I would like to use Danny because it reminds you that he is a child. He's a kid? Yep. 
Okay. Danny was born on May 15th, 1970. So we just left Andrew in 1987. Okay. Making Danny at max 17. Okay. Of when we left. Okay. So Danny was May 15th, again, probably a Taurus. 1970, he was described more often than not as a smelly kid. As mm. someone who was like kind of weird and creepy and just like a little bit troubled. I hate that. So we're going to talk about Danny's childhood. Danny struggled a lot as a kid. Now, confirmed troubles included hyperactivity, or I'm presuming that this diagnosis is ADHD today, but I don't know what DSM they were using at the time. So they called it hyperactivity. They also had diagnosed Danny with dyslexia as a kid. He struggled to shower and be terribly social. And although it has been said that he had a tight circle of friends and he was pretty smart before he challenged things, he did have challenges to learning and I'll say pushing his social boundaries. Like it seems like he had a few close friends and that was kind of the gist. Mm. But it should also be noted that allegedly Danny suffered abuse from his father. Mm. It's unclear if this is his father or his stepfather, but it has been said that he has suffered abuse from a paternal figure, if you will. The abuse would have been verbal, physical and sexual if it's true. But I also want it to be noted that this is all alleged. We don't know if his father did any abuse. I think it's worth noting because it might give us some insight later on. But Mm. if it is not the fact or if it's not the case and regardless of whether or not it was his father or his stepfather, one of those two men did not do that. If one of them did and if neither of them did, then there are two men in that sentence that deserve some freedom and some peace from that allegation. But I do think it's important to note for later. That being said, in the Boston Confidential podcast that I listened to with Joe Turner, that author, um, he said that he didn't ever see enough evidence to really support the claim that a father did any abuse. Like, that wasn't super substantiated. That being said, we also know how infrequently this kind of abuse is reported even for adults. So... Would a child who was facing that abuse at home come forward without somebody prompting him to? I don't know. So I just wanted to throw that in there again. It's an allegation. It seems like one that's pretty freaking relevant, but unclear as to how true it is. But I lean towards it not only being possible, but probable with what we find out in the future. Okay. But... Danny sort of started heading down the wrong path as a kid early on. Okay. Maybe around middle school, Mm -hmm. I think. Early teens. Around 1983, Daniel gets picked up on something. We don't know what it is. It's all, you know, he's a juvenile. It's concealed. We don't know. Rightfully Mm so. But Danny's a loner. And Danny said to, again, poor hygiene. He's smelly. They... You know, he wears the same trench coat to school every day. And yeah, there were reports of kids picking on him, probably like not to get too stereotypical, but like jocks and the popular kids Mm. picking on like maybe a weird loner kid. Right. But there are also reports of him picking on other kids. I feel like it's just childhood. Like they're all bullying each other (laughs) in the 80s. And they still are. Yeah, I know. 
Now they do it on their phones, though. <laughs> I know. Now it never ends. I know. Those poor kids. But all of that going on. While we know there was some stuff going on in his early teens, we don't have a lot. Uh, we don't have a lot on it. And again, it's rightfully so. His juvenile past should be confidential and sealed. You know, I agree with that. Mm-hmm. But it does make it hard to sort of plant the bread crumbs, if you will. Okay. Shortly after, however, in Danny's early teens, mid-teens, the school did send him to a psychologist for the general lack of hygiene and, like, motivation to grow and be social and all of that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Now, this... Good on the school for getting connected with help. Right? But as well intended as that was... The one claim of abuse that is absolutely substantiated is the one from this school psychiatrist that he saw for a year who sexually assaulted him. Oh, come on. Every meeting. Are you fucking kidding me? Nope. And this, that, I will that is say. such a betrayal. I mean, a, a sexually yeah. abusing a kid, regardless, sexually yes. abusing anybody, sexually abusing a child and then you're the trusted adult that they're supposed to be able to share the abuse that they've already faced. Yeah. Yeah. With you. And then you tell yeah. me he was like lit on fire. No. Okay. No, well, I am not could sure. You, could, could you try? I, <laughs> I, I could tell you that someone did, but it's a lie. Well, so obviously it's not good for anybody to do this, but this does lend a hand in me believing that Danny's father might have. Just solely for the length of time and the repetitive nature for him to not tell anyone about that, to me, feels like there has to be some part of his brain that has normalized to that behavior. Oh, my God. My stomach hurts. And that's kind of that's part of why I believe that it could have happened with his dad. But again, not confirmed. I just I find it really hard to see this going on for about a year with every meeting Without him saying something, if he had no reason to believe it was what happened to kids, you know, very sad. The other reason I feel like his dad might have, but also I think regardless, this is important context. It might help us understand him maybe conflating love and abuse or love and violence and something like that. But who knows? I'm not a child psychologist. My psychology degree is generalized for adults. So take that as you will. But I I think that's possible. So now we're going to talk about Danny LaPlante, your friendly neighborhood thief. Like Spider-Man, but worse, you know? So it should be noted as a little side comment here that we do see a little klepto streak in Danny's childhood. He loved stealing shit. He loved taking stuff. And I'm sure it probably started with something small, like a pack of gum from like a corner store. But eventually it became that he was really good at breaking into homes and taking valuables. Um, my personal take on what his concealed charge is in 1983, probably a shoplifting or like a petty larceny yeah. charge. That being said... Again, it's concealed, but that's my gut feeling. Though, that didn't stop Danny. Mm. It kind of made him realize 
all of the skills that he had. And so he dreamed big, baby. He reached for the stars. And by that, I mean, he didn't take anything more. He just got more and more intense with the breaking in and the torment that he could cause. Great. Great. So the next section of this is entitled The Boy in the Walls. Ooh. We'll skip forward to 1986. Danny is 15, maybe 16, and he gets the phone number of a local girl who will call Tina. Okay. I've seen two different names, Annie and Tina. I'm not sure which is right, but I'm thinking it's Tina. That's factually accurate. Um, I think Annie might have been a pseudonym and a book for Tina, but in all of the other articles I see, it's Tina and Karen Bowen are the sisters that we'll be talking about. But we're going to call her Tina, and Danny gets her number from one of two sources and this also differs one says it's a friend another one says it was an ex-boyfriend which i'm not sure why you'd give your ex-girlfriend's number to a buddy so he can ask her out but whatever that was a thought regardless danny gets her number and he calls her up remember he's like a freshman or a sophomore and she's a little bit younger she's either in like eighth grade or just starting her freshman year i think she was like a year behind Mm -hmm. but Danny calls her up and he says, hey, I'm Danny. I got your number and you're so dang cute. So like, let's chat and date, you know, like, let's go out on a date. Will you go out with me? Oh. And she said, um, sure, we'll talk for a bit. And, you know, he talks to her about himself and their life and they've never met. I think they probably go to the same school. But because of that year gap, there's like enough ambiguity that she doesn't know him mm-hmm. by name. Sure. He tells her that he's this like handsome jock blonde he's like ripped and tall and athletic and I think he just was sort of trying to be like the all-american boy and Mm -hmm. is this what he wanted to be maybe is it what he knew she'd be into maybe but Mm. he really does a catfish oh yeah he's a scrawny little thing dark hair dark eyes I mean He's just like a normal kid, but mm-hmm. I feel like the description he gave was every 80s movie jock, you know? Yeah. That being said, it is the 80s, and he might have thought that was a better way to get in with this cute girl. But, again, I believe Tina was a little bit younger, but I think it makes sense then that she would be excited. You know, not only is an older guy showing interest in me, but an older guy who's like handsome and exciting is showing interest in me. So he's just sitting there describing himself. He's like, mm, I'm 6'2", yeah. washboard abs, fucking jawline, yeah, pretty that much. Could, jawline that could kill a bitch. and Chiseled uh, to the gods. <laughs> fucking I pick things up, put them down. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> yes. And she's like, oh, heavens. She's like, oh, me, oh, my. <laughs> but. She was excited and I get, I mean, I get that. I don't know. You're in middle school, early high school and like your hormones are raging. So oh yeah. I've all been about there. boys and, and this one is older and cute. Exciting. So they make a date to meet at the fair. And again, remember it's the eighties, no cell phones, no social media, none of that shit. Like, l- let's meet by the fucking yeah. Ferris wheel. Well, he goes to her house. He picks her up. Oh, he does. And she's in middle school. Um, Eighth grade oh, or freshman year. They could have walked. Never mind. I'm like, he had a car yeah. and he's taking a little baby. 
I don't think he was driving. He mm-hmm. could have been if he was 16. I mean, he's old enough, mm. but um, would have been interesting. Mm. So that's when she found out that he looked nothing like he said he did. It's like those guys who were like 5'6", who were like, oh, at least 5'11". Yeah. <laughs> On Tinder, I'm six foot. <laughs> I say as I'm like, you know, hovering around five feet here, but... You're like, I'm 5'2", damn it. You know, you ever see all those things where it's like, short girls, fucking stand down, let this tall girls have the tall guys. Yes. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I get that, though. Sometimes you're like, are you kidding? Oh, I love it. When you're five, six or taller as a woman, it's hard. Okay. Anyway. So. I just, yeah, I can't relate. Everyone, a five foot six guy to me, tall. Six I foot know. tall? Tall. I I mean, you're Everyone's just, tall to you. Yeah. Allie and I have known each other through a few different life phases here. One of which I was single and she was like, look at him. He's cute. Look at him. He's cute. And every single fucking one was like five, four. And she was like, they're tall. And then I'd go and I'd be like, no, not th- to you. You're like resting your arm on their shoulder, like on no, their head. No, <laughs> to me, they're giant. I, I know mean, that's just that's because just, Allie is literally two feet tall. Well, so. I wouldn't say literally. I'm like two and a half feet tall. Give me a fucking yeah, break. No, literally <laughs> two and a half feet tall. But you're like two feet tall. Yes, I'll give you three. We'll round up. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know. Anyway, sorry. I'm just so. picturing that's how it's described, and then she's like, "Well, that yeah. is." It's That's the bad you. Tinder date, except totally different face, too. Mm. Mm-hmm. But you know what? Tina's a good a good little thing. She really is. So she entertains it. And he comes and she's like, oh, OK, maybe not what I thought you were going to look like. But, you know, if who I've been talking to is you like you're fun. I'd still go out on a date. Like, I'll still I mean, give you he, a shot. Is he repulsive? Like, is he like absolutely yeah. disgusting looking or is he just I mean, he, no, he's just like an average kid. OK, then that's I yeah. mean, you're average. It's fucking we're all yeah. average, really. I mean, come on. It's OK. You're it's all right. So Tina was nice. And though personally, me, I would have been like you lied to me i don't know that i trust anything else about what's happening right now but that's me so danny and tina go to the fair or the carnival or festival or whatever it was Mm -hmm. and you know i think she hoped that the date would be really fun i don't know if it's her first date but i can kind of assume like she seems sort of young what a cute first date, though. Right? And the the date was okay, other than the fact that um, Danny was asking her, like, a lot of questions. But they weren't like, you're so cute. What's your favorite color? Oh, See, no. See, Danny had found out that night that Tina's mom had just recently passed away from a really hard battle with cancer. Oh. And he was infatuated with that fact. Like, with her grieving or, like, with how her mom died? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, just all of it. So, he was asking Tina things and not, like, hey, how are you doing or how can I reassure you or, like, make you feel better. But he was asking questions that were just really inappropriate. Like, how did your mom die? How did Tina feel right after she saw her mom dead? Did her mom suffer? Like... not first date material no not first date material and also just kind of out of left field like that's so invasive for someone you don't know 
Yeah, for someone and, you don't know and you're both children and they just lost their mom. Yeah. So like depth pit of despair of grief. Yeah. This is hey, probably the one suffer? thing she's looked forward to. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like yeah. she's not already I mean, listen, she's pro- he's probably not asking any question that she hasn't already thought of. Yeah. But it's not your place to ask, man. And also I would struggle to ask stuff like that to people that I'm close with and care about, not like first date. Well, those questions just were you. self-serving. They weren't yeah, out of care or concern for this friend that you have. Yeah. Ugh. So from what I can gather, Tina kind of stopped entertaining his advances after this. She makes her excuses. She goes home. She doesn't call him back. And as far as anybody can confirm, that was the end of the loose quote relationship with Tina. And he does not like that. No, I wouldn't say that he did, but we're just going to let that lie. He's going to leave her alone because she is dealing with enough, damn it. Yep. No. So we're going to fast forward a little bit, but not a whole lot because this is our first major encounter with what Danny is capable of, right? Mm. So one day, Tina and her younger sister, Karen, were missing their mom extra hard. Anybody who has gone through significant grief and loss knows those days where it's just like fucking like time stops moving and you can't Mm. eat, you can't sleep. All you can do is think about it, you know? And it was one of those days for Tina and Karen. But Tina and Karen are babies, right? Like Mm -hmm. 14, 15, Karen's even younger. And you know what? middle school or high schoolers do when they're bored and alone at home what they play with spooky creepy shit like ouija boards and seances and they want to talk to their mom yes and they just miss their mom so they decide to do a seance so they can talk to their mom now they do all the stuff i don't know if they sit in a circle and hold hands and like candles or like if they really try to ouija board with it or something but they tried and again they're alone their freshly widowed father is also a freshly single parent and he's probably working extra hard to make up for bills which means he's not there even more while he's grieving and the girls are grieving and so it's just kind of a clusterfuck but They really want to talk to their mom. And they were pretty excited to do it. And even better, later that night, they started to hear banging on the walls, like rhythmic tapping, like tap, 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 like tapping. Shut the fuck up. And so they were like, shut the fuck up. Mom's (laughs) talking to us. Oh, like mom's talking. So they would ask questions and they tell it how to respond with like the little taps of like Tap Stop, yes I'm gonna for this. Cry. Tap, no, like, you know, whatever. For Is he that. fucking with them? I'm going to kill him. So they were really excited. But. Okay. See? See what you're doing? Going on. And the little terrors escalated from exciting taps to never ending taps. And taps that started when they asked questions to taps that go all night. And oh, okay. in the middle of the night and in random walls. Okay. I'm nauseous. So thank you. Sorry, it gets worse. Um, These poor kids just want to connect with their mom. They're like, they're pleading to have some kind of comfort. With their freshly passed mother. And then they think she's answering. 
And then they get scared that instead of their mom, the seance they did actually welcomed a demon into their home and now it's haunted. Oh. So that's what they're afraid of because they're babies. Oh. And they just need hugs. Like lots of, oh my God, I would hug them so hard. I know. Such a big hug and like, ugh, big fluffy blankets, like fresh out of the dryer. Oh my God. Mine are in the dryer right now and when we're done with this i am burritoing myself yep gonna grab my cat <laughs> yep it's the little things it just is oh we i'd have a girl's day yeah. we could go have fun do our little nails do a little face mask watch like a barbie swan lake movie or something oh my god you know that brings me back i know wow but unfortunately that's not how this goes so the taps that started all night are escalating into new terrors. Um, the girls will come home and furniture is moved or there's accounts of, I think, Frank, their father, coming home to find a wine bottle and two empty wine glasses sitting out on the counter that he didn't take out. Um, and then they can't even see their dad because he's trying to work, keep the roof over their heads. So now they're entirely alone and terrified. Yep. And grieving. And you know furniture is moving not just a couple inches but like to a new spot in the room stuff like that that you're like this this is fucking with me okay i want to wind up and do a why i oughta mm-hmm. boom right into his face yeah just hold on to that it's gonna get a little supercharged soon um mm, okay so frank bowen tina and karen's dad thought the girls were not doing well with their mother's death He thought they were either making it up or doing these things to themselves, whether or not that was like playing pranks on each other or like doing it and then being scared for attention. He just thought they weren't doing well, which, yeah, they probably fucking weren't like that was probably part of it. But Mm -hmm. that was certainly not the reason that this was happening. But to his credit, I do want to say Frank did get the girls in therapy. Okay, the first time. That they ever had an issue where they like ran out of their house screaming and they were like, call dad. Uh Uh-uh. Scary. Whoop, whoop. Like, ah. He got him right into therapy. He was like, this isn't okay. You can't be doing that. And he didn't know. But then as things started to escalate, I think it got a little more obvious. And one day, the girls went home from school and they walk into their house. Their house is like a split level. Mm-hmm. For those of you who don't know what that is, it's like half a staircase goes up to the main floor and then the other half goes down to like the basement level. So you don't walk into a floor, you walk into like the landing of the stairs. But they come home and I don't know if they heard something in the basement or if they just went there, but they saw a message pla- painted in blood red on a mirror or the wall. Stop. And that message said... I'm in your room. Come and get me. If that happened to me today, mm-hmm. right the fuck now, I'd pee my pants and never come home. Yep. And they are children. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Who have been through enough. 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 Okay. And so they ran to their neighbor's house, like screaming and crying. They called the dad and the neighbor was like, listen, they're not making it up. Like they're freaked the fuck out, dude. Like... <laughs> Yeah, that's not okay. And so he comes home. I believe he calls the cops, but nothing new is really discovered beyond the message. So a few weeks later, the same kind of sequence of events happens. 
one night the girls heard the knocking coming from Tina's room and they found another message on Tina's wall that said, I'm back. Find me if you can. Dude, he will not let up. Again, written in the same blood red color. They're not sure what it is. And Frank came back. And this time when he entered the home, he goes to Tina's room and he finds an additional message in red that just says, marry me. So, Frank, alone in Tina's room, turns around to leave. But who is there? None other than our very own Danny LaPlante. In, just standing in the doorway? Mm-hmm, with a hatchet. Oh, right shit. Right behind him. It should also be noted, somewhere in here, by the way, they also found, like, pictures of the family tacked onto the wall with kitchen knives, like, stuff like that. That's just terrifying. But this specific point in time where Frank turns around and right behind him is Danny with a hatchet. This is one of those things that has been conflated a bunch in the media. People have said that he was dressed like a ninja. There have been reports that say he was dressed in full-on indigenous traditional clothing and headwear. Um, And there are even reports that say he was dressed entirely in Frank's late wife's clothing. Oh, come on. However, most likely it was none of the above. And that was associated with a later incident that happened. But he did have the hatchet. He did have a hatchet. Yeah. Okay. I don't care what he's wearing. It's the hatchet that I care about. Mm -hmm. Because if he's wearing the mom's dress or a fucking ninja suit, it doesn't change anything. Yeah. No, it's not good. It It ain't great. But Frank... Did have a struggle with Danny, but Frank was able to get out unharmed. And here's the thing. Somewhere in that fight, Danny vanished. Like, Frank was freaked out. He was like, where the fuck did the kid go? Like, vanished, vanished. Called the Mm -hmm. cops. Cops couldn't find him. Vanished. What? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Terrifying. The search is far from over, though. See, um, Danny was in the house's walls. Like, in the walls. Come again? Um, Like, that's how he was moving around the whole house. was like he was just, he found a spot behind a toilet or, like, behind a plywood piece behind a toilet in a corner in the basement that had a hole in the wall. Found out that a scrawny little ass could fit inside of it. So he terrorized a family. For, like, a year. Are you serious? Yeah. No, this is stretched the fuck out because she didn't want to date you anymore because she's a baby because her mom died what what is it we don't know in the Mm -hmm. in the walls in the walls there wasn't like insulation in the way and like pipes and like other shit if there was he got around it he was in the walls like in the in the walls like moving in the wall Mm -hmm. like not just like oh duck into this little like closet looking thing like in the walls. Like, could move around in the walls. Had, like, a handful of peepholes in every room, so he could, like, watch them. Ugh. Like, I heard that he lived there. How accurate a full living situation is, I don't know. But it was a year, and he was set up. Like, his parents weren't wondering up. where the fuck he went? Well, that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking it can't be, like, fully living there, because but he, he just is a went child. there all the time. Yeah. 
And as we know from the reports from the girls, he was there at night sometimes, like in the middle of the night to do all the tapping and shit. So either he's sneaking out or they don't pay attention or something. And he's still a kid. Mm -hmm. He's also still only 15, 16. You know, imagine if the therapist that he's meeting with wasn't an absolute repulsive, cruel, evil piece of horse shit Mm -hmm. that should be lit on fire. Maybe yeah. he wouldn't have gotten to this point. He would have had like support and services and from like one singular responsible adult in his home. Correct. And life. like, yeah, maybe maybe he wouldn't have felt compelled to do that. Or if he did, it would have been caught like, yeah. I don't know, immediately. Mm hmm. But. Mm-hmm. OK, carry on. Yeah. Okay. So. When he was finally found. Law enforcement searched the home a couple of times, didn't see him, finally end up going back and retracing steps in the basement and see this plywood that covers a hole that they didn't know was there. They find his little hideout full of the deceased mother's clothes. So I think that's kind of where it gets conflated to him wearing all of her clothes. Like they think he would sort of hide under them. Oh. Maybe sleep on them. If I were that family, not only are you grieving, mm-hmm. but the violation you feel. Mm-hmm. And then when you lose someone you care about, and I, I really don't know why, because they're just tangible items, you add the sentiment to them mm-hmm. and you become possessive over them because it's what you have of them left. And like, this is what bugs me about it. This feels particularly heinous. He is a smelly kid. And for me, scent is such a big, I, I know it's a big sense for a lot of people and that it triggers a lot of memories, but mm-hmm. I get really sentimental over scent. So like if I have a piece of clothing, it smells like them. It feels mm-hmm. like them. And he took that away from them. This kid who was so smelly, they had to send him to a psychiatrist to talk about it, mm-hmm. is laying in and around the last of their mother's things. Like, if I were the daughters, like, how dare you? Oh, yeah. Every, you know what I mean? Just that. Yeah. I, I Yeah, I would have gone fucking ballistic. I'll be honest. <laughs> I can't. I can't imagine that. And he hasn't killed anyone in that family. You know? Oh. Like, he was just in their walls. He just became obsessed with the fact that she died. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's why he was into her in the first place. Might be. Oh. Although, I do think that he, I don't think he knew before he called. But learning it. But learning it. I think he was like, oh, mm, I'll hang out. Wow. I hate literally everything about this. <laughs> Sorry. So when he's finally arrested, a fun fact here is that they did do an IQ test, which showed that he was literally just under the level of genius intelligence. Fascinating. But Danny was in a juvenile facility for a bit. From my understanding, it didn't take long at all for him to get put on probation. Was he in the juvenile setting because of this instance? Yes. Okay. So he gets arrested. Gotcha. They give him some time. Although, honestly, the longest I've heard is a year, and I don't even think it was that long that he was locked, or not locked up, but that he was sort of incarcerated in the juvenile facility. Mm-hmm. So I'm not really sure. And again, he's... A kid, I can't get those records. But he does get let out soon thereafter. 
Now, before we move on, I do just want to note a few things. First, the Bowen family had to move out. I, l- I literally do not blame them. They could not stay there. I'm sure after memories of, like, watching your mom pass and also this fucking kid, like, I would, hell no, I'd move out too. I get that. Yeah, no, there's no way. Yeah. So, yes, we are going to take a pin out. We're going to take the pin out of our friend Andrew Gustafson. Okay. Do you remember him? You didn't forget about him, right? I didn't forget about him. I wanted to give him a hug. Yep. Mm -hmm. I don't know why I just was from Alabama for a (laughs) minute, but. So, it's October of 1987. Danny's freshly 17. He's out on the prowl back in his hometown. I assume by this point, Tina's family had already moved and Danny was quite bored. I can imagine. <laughs> it does not take long for him to start breaking back into houses. He's such a fix suck. He is a fix suck. He's such a fucking fix suck. So we're going to head over to our friend Andrew Gustafson. Mm-hmm. It's December 1st. 1987. Andrew just called the police. As you do. And I do want to make it known that we're about to discuss some pretty horrifying crime. So I want y'all to be prepared for the entirely needless violence and a little bit of overkill with some terror. Uh, I don't think the pun was intended, but maybe. That being said, if you do need to skip forward, please do take care of yourselves. Never any issue. But The too long didn't read was just that Priscilla, Andrew's wife, is shot and both of his children are drowned. For those of you who are sticking around. When the police got there, they initially discovered their seven-year-old Abigail and the five-year-old William drowned in separate bathtubs in the home. Now, what I can tell you is fact in this investigation is just a few things. One, Pristilla Gustafson was pregnant. Most everyone seems to believe that she was murdered first. We know from forensic evidence that Priscilla was bound, raped, and eventually killed via a bullet wound to her skull, which was shot through a pillow to muffle both the sound and the mess. Another thing that I can tell you about this case, the children were beaten, and again, seemingly common thought is that William, the five-year-old, was home when this initially happened and was harmed and killed first, followed by Abigail, who was believed to be the last victim since she was at school and had to return home. And lastly, the thing that is known to be a fact is that both children were drowned in separate bathtubs. So. How old were they again? Five and seven. William was five. Abigail was seven. So. What most of the articles I read suspected but cannot confirm is what I'm about to talk about. It's believed that the offender broke in, met Priscilla, and bound her. It also seems that this would be the time that William, the five-year-old, was either entertained or restrained somehow, whether that was being put in his room or tied up or to something. We don't know, but it's then suspected that the offender forced Priscilla upstairs before raping her, after which she was shot in the head. Next, William was beaten and drowned, and then it's believed the offender waited hours for Abigail to get home before doing the same thing to her. Oh, Abigail also had blunt force trauma to her skull in the autopsy report, so 
I assume he probably incapacitated that way first. Now, since the title of this episode is not three randomly wild incidents that happened all at the same time by people we don't know, I can assume that you assume that Danny LaPlante did this, and you'd be right. Okay. But it did not take long for them to connect these dots. After Andrew called, they did think it was really weird that he didn't go and look for his kids. Mm -hmm. They were like, why did you only find your dead wife and just call 911? And I have a feeling that... There's got to be a gut instinct that says you don't want to see that for yourself if your entire house is dark mm. and your wife's dead. I don't think that you're thinking any kind of, you know, 10 steps ahead. I think you see that you like, you know, her. something's wrong. And the thing is, if the kids are alive and hiding in a closet, they're going to be alive and hiding in a closet in 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. If they're not. I don't think I could be the one to walk in on that. You know, so they they being like the courts and police sort of let that go. They were like, you know, what? yeah, this is pretty fucking gruesome and tough to walk in on. So never mind. We get you. But when they got there to investigate, I'm not even kidding you. I'm so excited. This is my favorite part. Mm -hmm. The police brought a very good boy doggo. His name is Hank to the scene. Hank. I love Hank. Hank is the best doggo because he could track smells. So they brought him around. They like let him smell through the house. And then he led them through the woods in the backyard of the Gustafson home. Oh, I'd get him a pup cup. Yes. Hank is so freaking good. He finds a little loot of things in the woods that smell just like the home. Okay. He finds wet gloves wrapped in towels. I think he finds the 32 caliber gun, which is with the Such a good boy. murder weapon. And then he smells those things and tracks another smell the rest of a half mile through the woods yeah. to Danny LaPlante's front door. Wow, what a good boy. Hank is so good. What a good boy. I wish I could give him so many treats. But... It was all because of Hank that they landed at Danny LaPlante's house. And it wasn't shocking to find somebody who found his way into someone else, someone random's home yep. and unnoticed. and Already has a history of breaking and entering. Already has a history of like being known as weird and creepy. And people said he hung out in the woods. It was like the only place you'd see him if he wasn't out school. Mm. It was not a big shock because obviously what he did to the Bowen home was terrorizing it was not just like camping out in someone's house like that was intentionally done to torment them and it wasn't a funny prank you know and i say yeah. funny loosely because it's not funny but designed it's not to like be a prank where no it wasn't you're moving to the be... furniture three inches every day until someone notices of course like not and even then don't do that breaking into someone's house it's not funny but like no yes i see what you're saying there are things that could just be done for fun and humor and Without light of malice. it being done. Yep. That was not this. And he had also only just gotten out of juvie. He'd been out for like two months. Great. Right? He got out in October. This is December 1st. So, duh. When all was said and done, Danny was given three consecutive life sentences for the murder of Priscilla, William, and Abigail. Personally, I think it should have been four because Priscilla was pregnant. That being said, doesn't matter a whole lot. He's never getting out. (laughs) Correct. So then we fast forward to 2014. 
Okay. And SCOTUS, the Supreme Court of the United States. Uh Are you going to talk about the overturning of sentencing a juvenile to life? Yes. Okay, yeah. So they deem it unconstitutional, basically, to sentence a juvenile who committed murder to life without the possibility of parole. You can still be sentenced to life, but you have to be able to get parole. And they they have it so you can have like a new hearing. So you, mm-hmm. you get granted a new hearing and then you can be sentenced to the same sentence you already have. So Danny's a little bitch, oh, geez. by the way, and in prison decides that he's going to become a Wiccan. And okay. fun fact, as someone who has worked with the BOP, the Bureau of Prisons, this happens a lot. People will go to prison and take up new religious beliefs Mm -hmm. if that makes sense and some of them absolutely it's conversion 100 percent, and that's where they're going that's where their heart's at Mm -hmm. some of them it's because the practice of religion is protected under your first amendment freedom of speech and that means that you can get whatever you need to practice said religion so for him to become a Wiccan meant that he could have whatever kind of like funky little toys and gadgets and crystals and candles that he wanted of course it did Probably made yourself real cozy. Um, and then he kept saying that they were like preventing him from practicing his Wiccan shit. And I was like, no offense, but I'm not sure that I want you learning how to like harness magic. Yeah, you don't need friend. any other energy. Nope. No, yeah. You might need to clean yours, but uh, you don't yeah. need a new one. So yeah. there was that. And then. SCOTUS deemed the life sentence of a juvenile without parole to be unconstitutional, and Danny got to request a new hearing. But the judge wasn't having none of his shit. Thank God. I do believe there was some technicality that he needed to do at least 50 years of each life sentence, which for him is 150 years. Years. But I'm fine with that. I'm yeah. I'm really okay with that. Just sleep real well at night with that one. And hopefully he won't live through all that. But if he does, I mean, I guess he has two more life sentences to go. So oh <laughs> I'm my. happy. But what I want people to remember and take away from the terrifying story of Danny LaPlante are a few things. One, Danny LaPlante has never shown remorse for his actions. Not once, not never. He made one apology a shitty sorry excuse of an apology Mm. 20 years after the fact in 2017 okay he said i murdered three innocent people i do not have the words to fully express my profound sorrow but i am truly sorry for the harm that i have caused Mm, eat shit yep number two andrew gustafson passed in 2014 Mm. he did not get to live to see That sorry excuse of an apology. He also did not get to live to see the court reaffirm the three life sentences. I mean, what do you do after that? Your entire family's been slaughtered for literally no reason. Yep. Not a one. It makes me really sad, especially knowing they had a little one on the way and like... All excited and... So... The other thing that I wanted you to take away from this is that the psychiatrist that saw Danny in 2017 Mm -hmm. said, and I quote, is he rehabilitated? Absolutely not. All right. Yep. I mean, I would have been more upset if he was like, oh, he's a doll. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. 
Sure. Well, I mean, yes and no. I think he was a kid, but he was in a an older teenager when this happened. Like, he definitely had enough of a moral compass to know that this is absolutely wrong and not okay. He'd also had multiple run-ins with the law. He should have known that this was not okay. And the other thing that I wanted to mention is when I was talking to my friend Paige, she told me about this. His family kind of wrote him out of the story. Like, really could not be less proud of him. I don't think anybody talks to him. They certainly never talk about him. Of course not. But I did just want to throw it out there that they sound like a very nice family. Like, it kind of sounds like Danny was... I don't want to say the bad apple, but like the black sheep, like he didn't quite fit in and the rest of them seem okay. Now, how do you ever process the fact that someone you grew up with or birthed or lived with did any of these things? I don't know. I I don't know. I, I might do the same thing. I've never been in the situation. And and I hope so I'm not. Are we operating under the assumption that he wasn't abused by a family member? My assumption personally is that the abuse was probably from a father. And then there was a stepfather that came in after the fact. Okay. And then the psychiatrist. Okay. That's my guess. So the original abuser is not like part of the family right. unit. Because you're like, oh, there's a whole lot more going on under the surface if that's what's yeah. yeah. So that was my assumption just because of the way it sounds like they operate these days. And that they all seem to be doing otherwise, you know, pretty well doing the best they can. Um, But it was so fascinating. She literally texted me. She was like, um, did I ever tell you about the boy in the freaking walls that I'm related to? I was like, no. Damn. I cannot believe I'd never heard of this. It was in Townsend. It's so close. I had no idea this is a New England case. Yep. Danny LaPlante. He literally tormented an entire family for a year and then did a triple homicide. That is so evil. He is so evil and honestly it did make me laugh really hard because i was listening to that oh wait what's what's the full name <coughs> boston confidential bean towns true crime podcast daniel LaPlante, 1986 to 1987 arguably boston confidential's most evil criminal in new england history him oh that one they were talking about like in the interview, the host was like, do you think he's evil? And he's got like this thick Boston accent. <laughs> and the guy was like, well, it depends on like how you talk about evil. And he was giving a very academic response, which is really just, you know, how do you quantify? How do you qualify? Mm-hmm. Probably. But what am I going to say to that on air yep. with an expertise? And the host was like, well, if you won't say it, I will. He was so evil. <laughs> like, my <laughs> guy. This fucking guy was so fucked up. I know. <laughs> Pack your ass in the little incarceration corner, you know? <laughs> I feel like my Boston accent is getting better and worse at the same time. I have to agree with that. Yeah, right? Like, I feel like my R's are getting a lot more accurate, but my accent is getting a lot worse. You'll get there. I'll get there. You'll get there. Pack the car in the Harvard Square. No. Nope. God. What part of square sounds good there? Square. <laughs> Pack the car and the have it square. <laughs> no. Yad. Pack the car and the have it yad. There it is. Come on. Yad. <laughs> oh, well, um, yeah, I feel happy that he's away and disgusted by what happened and a little nauseous. 
I think that's pretty much the takeaway Is here. That what so we're you going got for? it. All yeah. right. I'm glad I passed. Thank you. I am sorry to have to be the one to break this case to you, but I think it was a good case. It's fucking wild. And now I'm going to like check my walls for peepholes. I don't even know how you do that, but I'm gonna. (laughs) Now I'm going to hear something in the wall and be like. Uh Oh, also, I didn't mention this, but they did find out that the writing on the Bowen family walls that was Mm -hmm. in that like blood red color. It was ketchup. Okay, that's good. But the girls really thought it was blood. Like, is that is that Heinz? Is that yeah. <laughs> Heinz. Wow. Uh, well, I hope you guys liked that. And by liked it, I mean hate it. But I hope you guys were interested yes. and that you were like, ooh, what's up with this fucker? And how can I make sure that he never gets out again? And I don't know, but... You know, keep an eye out for the parole hearings. We'll we'll talk about him. Mm-hmm. I honestly don't think he'll ever get it. And I honestly don't think that we'll ever hear about one because I think he'll be dead long before the opportunity arises. And if he's not, pretty sure I'll be dead long before the opportunity <laughs> arises. So I'll keep you updated if I hear anything. But that was the terror of Danny LaPlante. Wow. And I hope I never have to hear his stupid name again. Um... And I hope that Tina and Karen are living their best fucking lives. Oh, for real. I hope they have like the best day. The I'll best take them week. on a girl's day today. Best year. Yeah. If you guys want to reach out, it, girls stay on us. We will get a spa day. We'll do our nails. We'll get massages. We'll do the whole nine. If we'll you have guys blast. haven't gotten Lexapro yet, like <laughs> we'll go to like a psych appointment. It'll be great. A real upstairs, downstairs kind of day, you know. Oh, my. <laughs> Wow. Well, thank you for telling that. Yes. That was um, quite the ride. I'm going to unbuckle now. Yeah. You can take your hands and legs outside of the cart now. Okay. Well, thank yeah. you very much for allowing me. Absolutely. Just my hands and my legs. Everything else needs <laughs> yeah. to stay in. Yeah. Um, feet. You can take your legs out, but not your feet. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you guys for hanging out with us Yes. on this very wild ride. We would like to ask you a couple of things. One, the please... First just fucking rate review subscribe do all the things that help i guess i don't know you guys we're in all 50 states that's because of you that is because of you we appreciate it we'd love you to tell us about it like yes with your rates and stuff we'd love for you to tell us about it with like a little five star review maybe even like posting a review on apple i wouldn't mind that's all i'm saying we love them. We really do read all of them, but also it is what helps us climb charts. It's what helps us get in algorithms. Like it's a huge help. So please, please, please. It really does. It helps us grow and it, it makes us want to continue to do this. So if you liked what you heard and you want us to yeah. keep it up, it just, it means a lot. It's a way for you to tell us without actually having to say a goddamn word to us. Yep. Um, if you don't want to, which you totally don't have to, but we also read your emails, which you can totally email us. We'd appreciate that too. We'd love that. You can email us with like all of your little comments and things that you're excited for cases that you want to hear cases that you wish we'd tell or cases that you want to tell us to tell people. We're mm-hmm. totally fine with that too. If you wanted to do that, Allie, where could they email us? So you could email us at about time, the number four, tc at gmail.com. So that's A-B-O-U-T-T-I-M-E, numeric four, tc at gmail.com. 
And if you wanted to see the faces, the people, the places, the things that we're talking about every week, you could do that on our Instagram. Abby, how would you get to our Instagram page? Okay. So you'd open insta.gram. <laughs> and wait, no, I think it's instagram.am. Instagram.am. You're going to log in. And then in that little search button, you're going to search in about time for true crime pod with periods in between every word. So that's A B O U T period T I M E period F O R period T R U E period C R I M E period P O D because podcast was too long, you guys. Mm-hmm. So again, it's about time for true crime pod with periods in between every word. And if all of that was just a whole freaking bunch of jumble to you, dude, it's in our show notes. It's in the show notes every guys. time. It's okay. Don't worry about it. We all we all have those days. Everybody makes mistakes. So please. Oh, and check out our Redbubble. We have stickers. But anyway. (gasps) Yes, we have stickers and our pod pet stickers up now. So Mm -hmm. hello. Go check it out. This episode has been quite the ride. I'm ready to take a nap. Yes. And we'll revisit you guys next week with, I will say I'm bringing you a tamer episode. Ooh, love that. Because I think we need it. Yes. So we'll do that. Okay. You guys, self-care this week. Seriously. Seriously. Drink your water. We're not kidding. I'm not I'm not fucking around here. Drink your water, okay? I will fuck you up. But not before I look at my clock and see that that was about about time time for true crime. Bye. Bye. Seriously, water. (laughs) 